Welcome to the Dr. Dez Says It's All Your Immunity podcast. How does the new Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine work? And why is this different from the messenger RNA vaccines? The Johnson & Johnson vaccine against COVID-19 is moving forward with positive results and expects to have emergency use authorization from the United States Food and Drug Administration shortly. The company is working with its pharmaceutical division, Janssen, to develop the vaccine under the project names Ensemble and Ensemble 2. The company enrolled participants for its late-stage trials in December of 2020 and will test its vaccine with two different doses. The first dose will use only one shot, while the second formulation calls for two shots. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a recombinant viral vaccine that uses a live, attenuated, and weakened adenovirus as the vector. And because of this, it is sometimes referred to as a viral vector vaccine. This technology has been around since the 1970s and has been used in other therapeutics, including a vaccine against rabies. We will discuss what that means and how it is different from the messenger RNA vaccines released from Pfizer and Moderna in December of 2020. We will discuss how this vaccine works and what makes it different from the messenger RNA vaccines. We will also look at the issues concerning its efficacy, its ability to confer long-term immunity, and its success rate against the viral variants of the coronavirus. Scientists began creating viral vectors in the 1970s. Besides being used in vaccines, viral vectors have also been studied for gene therapy, to test cancer, and for molecular biology research in general. For decades, hundreds of scientific studies of viral vector vaccines have been done and published around the world. Some vaccines recently used for the Ebola outbreaks have used viral vector technology, and a number of studies have focused on viral vector vaccines against other infectious diseases such as Zika, influenza, and HIV. Before we begin, let's discuss a few important points. As a scientist, you are always worried about what the agent will be to elicit an immune response. And how will the person being vaccinated be exposed and safely exposed to that agent? In both the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, what the person to be vaccinated is exposed to is a gene segment or message that will eventually form the protein 
that gets the immune response from the patient. That's number one. Number two, the gene will be delivered to the cells through an injection in which the main component of delivery is the genetic component itself. In the case of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the component is DNA, and with the Pfizer and Moderna messenger RNA vaccines, that component is messenger RNA. But before you get antsy about how all that fits together, I'm going to explain it more very shortly. But if you retain nothing else, I want you to remember this one simple, elegant concept that is the basis for your life. DNA is the molecule that carries the code for every facet of your physical being. Think hair color, eye color, height, even how long you are destined to live. It resides in a small compartment of the cell called the nucleus. There are proteins that transcribe this code into another genetic molecule called RNA. Now, RNA is the molecule that will be eventually translated into the message in the language of a protein. Now, why did I use the word translate? Like two people are speaking different languages and they need to be translated to understand one another. Well, because that is exactly what is going on. Both DNA and RNA are genetic materials, while protein is a molecule that uses an entirely different set of molecules. Therefore, the code in DNA needs to be translated into the language of a protein, and RNA helps to do just this. And of course, these proteins go on to be the backbone or the building blocks of everything inside and on the surface of your body. So remember, DNA is transcribed into RNA. RNA is translated into protein. Everything we will discuss going forward will center on those concepts. And where I can, I am always going to refer back to our little paradigm. Why is knowing all of this important? Well, because scientists use this basic process in nature to make these nucleic acid-based vaccines. Now, how does this viral vaccine work? Now, remember, one of the questions a scientist asks is how the vaccine is going to be delivered and delivered safely to a patient. In the case of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, it is delivered through a DNA virus called an adenovirus, which is the vector or delivery system to get the vaccine into your body. The adenovirus is a fairly benign virus known to cause some common colds. Now, you may remember that with the messenger RNA vaccines, the conduit that gets the code inside your body is a nanoparticle vesicle that has a similar chemical composition as cooking oil. 
So what does this all have to do with the coronavirus? Remember, the adenovirus is helping the coronavirus genes get inside your body. And this is how it's doing it. There are two sets of genetic information inside of a viral vector vaccine. The first is the DNA for the adenoviral vector. The adeno-DNA is a short, linear piece of double-stranded DNA. The gene segments that instruct the DNA how to replicate the adenovirus itself will be cut out. These segments in the adeno-DNA will be replaced by the second separate genetic code, which is the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein gene segment. Now remember, the spike protein is what helps the SARS-CoV-2 virus dock onto your cells and begin the process of getting inside or infecting your cells. So the adeno-DNA will have the SARS-CoV-2 code incorporated or engineered into its DNA. This process is called recombinant DNA technology or genetic engineering. It is called recombinant because scientists are combining the genes for the spike protein with the adenoviral genes on the adeno-DNA. So the takeaway points here are that early on, the instructions for the adenovirus to replicate itself are engineered out, and the adenovirus will not be growing inside of you once it does its job with the coronavirus. And second, the spike protein of the coronavirus is inside of the adenovirus. And this is what is going to get the spike protein code for the vaccine into your body. Okay, why are we doing all this? Well, because scientists understand one simple fact very well. Viruses know how to infect you. That's what they do. So scientists are going to exploit this fact by using the machinery of the virus to infect you with the SARS-CoV-2 genes. So scientists are using the adenovirus DNA to be the carrier or the vector for getting the spike protein of the COVID-19 into your cells. Your cells engulf the adenovirus with the COVID-19 spike proteins. Your cells engulf the adenovirus with the COVID-19 spike protein genes. This is the process of a normal infection. There, the cell delivers the DNA to your cell nucleus. The adeno-DNA is, in a sense, neutered. So when it gets inside your nucleus, it cannot replicate itself. Therefore, you are safe. This process is also different from the messenger RNA vaccines because the RNA can never cross into your cell's nucleus. And we will discuss why this is in a moment. Now, this is where I want you to remember the paradigm DNA transcribed into RNA and RNA is translated into protein. 
In the nucleus, your cellular machinery will then start transcribing the two sets of genes or DNA with both the adeno genes and the coronavirus spike protein genes into messenger RNA. This would happen in a normal infection with DNA viruses. They get into your cells and let your cellular machinery begin to do the process of transcription. After being transcribed, the adenogenes disintegrate because it does not have the part of its code that helps it to replicate itself. And as a standalone molecule, RNA is very unstable. For all intents and purposes, at this point, the adenovirus is no more. The spike protein messenger RNA gets tagged so it can leave the person's nucleus but never return to it. So let me give you an example of how it works. We've all been to clubs or establishments or amusement parks that stamp us so that when we leave and come back within a certain time, we can re-enter the establishment. Think of the nuclear tag on the messenger RNA as something in reverse. The tag here tells the nucleus that this RNA is not allowed to ever re-enter the nucleus. It is a built-in safety mechanism to ensure that foreign and possibly dangerous RNA cannot get incorporated into your core DNA. Now I'm going to ask you to remember the second part of our paradigm. The RNA code is translated into a protein. Outside the nucleus, your cell's machinery translates the SARS-CoV-2 messenger RNA into the spike protein during the translation process. This process closely mirrors what happens with the messenger RNA vaccines, and that is the following. Some of the spike proteins form spikes that migrate to the surface of the cell and stick out from that surface. The vaccinated cells also break up some of the proteins into fragments, which they present on the surface of their cell. These protruding spikes and spike protein fragments can then be recognized by your immune system, which is always surveilling your body's landscape. So let's briefly delve into your immune response. Your body can have a couple of different responses at this point. The first response involves the work and coordination between your antibodies and a type of T-cell called helper T-cells or CD4 T-cells. This coordination helps to neutralize the viral component not allowing it to infect any more cells in your body. A vaccinated cell will present fragments of the spike protein on its surface. When it dies, the debris will contain many spike proteins and protein fragments, which can then be taken up by a type of immune cell called an antigen-presenting cell. In this case, the antigen 
is just spike protein and antigens elicit responses from an antibody. When the helper T cell detects spike protein fragments, the helper T cell raises the alarm to marshal other immune cells to the area of the vaccinated cell. Other immune cells, called B cells, may also bump into the coronavirus spikes and protein fragments on the surface of the cells. A few of these B cells may be able to lock on to the spike proteins as they protrude from the cell. If these B cells are activated by helper T cells, they will start to proliferate and release antibodies that target the spike protein. The antibodies can latch onto the coronavirus spikes, mark the virus for destruction, and prevent infection by blocking the spikes from attaching to other cells. The second route your immune system takes is to activate another T-cell called killer T-cells or CD8 T-cells. Side note, my dissertation was on T-cells, so these cells are near and dear to my heart. Okay, on with the episode. (laughs) These T-cells come to this site through the same mechanisms the other immune cells come to the cell site. And this mechanism involves the antigen-presenting cells, which the T-cell encounters on its surveillance. Once it has found the antigen-presenting cell, it kills that coronavirus-infected cell that displays the spike protein fragment on the surface, hence the name killer T-cells. So basically, one part of your immune system is there to control an infected cell, And it's controlling it for a number of different reasons. It wants to use it for the part of your immune system for memory. And that's so when your body encounters the coronavirus again, it has a blueprint of how to fight this particular invader. It understands what the important molecule looks like, and it will understand how to fight it in the future. So the vaccine is working to elicit that response, and the vaccine can also elicit the response of the killer T-cells. And that's a separate part of your immune system that doesn't seek to neutralize the antigen or the spike protein, but it's literally trying to kill the infected cell so that these viruses, if they were present, would have no chance of infecting other cells. This part of your immune system is really trying to decrease the numbers of the pathogen in your body. So the first part of this immune process is to gain a foothold to understand what the spike protein of the coronavirus looks like, how to recognize it later on and act more quickly. Your killer T cell is literally trying to annihilate it so it gets out of your body quickly before it can cause more damage. Now that concludes the basic science portion of our talk. Now I want to focus on what we know about the application of the vaccine so far. 
Remember what we said about the immune cells and how they recognize a pattern on the pathogen like the spike protein of a coronavirus. This alerts the immune cells that a foreign and possibly dangerous invader like a pathogen is in its midst. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a recombinant viral vaccine that uses a live attenuated, which is a fancy word for modified, and weakened adenovirus as its vector. Since it uses the live adenovirus that can cause the common cold, your body, or more specifically, your immune system, may have already seen it and at a previous point developed an immune response against it. If that is the case, then your cells will not take up that virus that has the spike protein in it because antibodies against the adenoviral vector will neutralize it before it can work fully. This possibly weakens the effectiveness of the vaccine, and this may be why initially the efficacy rates were lower at 66% compared to those of the messenger RNA vaccines. However, looking into the preliminary findings, we see that the vaccine conferred immunity to severe COVID disease at a rate above 80%, which makes it a good candidate for those in high-risk categories like those above 65 years of age, having COPD and other pulmonary diseases, heart disease, and diabetes. And the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is currently being tested to see if a booster shot increases the effectiveness of the vaccine. Another positive note for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is that it remains effective against the South African and UK variants of COVID-19 disease. And among the lower-cost vaccines, this development could place it among the premier vaccines in the world against COVID, both for its effectiveness against the original COVID-19 disease and the disease caused by the variants. Okay, this seems like a good place to stop this episode. Once the vaccine is formally approved, and we expect this any day in the United States, we will discuss more of the parameters of its approval, how it's to be used, who is it approved for, and how much will initially be available. We will also discuss if it's viable for children. We will get a better handle on these questions once we can read the report of the advisory committee and see the live hearings. So until the next time, I'm Dr. Desiree Barrett. And if you have any questions for me about this episode or any of our previous episodes, please email me at drdessays at gmail.com, dr period, D-E-S-S-A, ys at gmail.com or you can dm me on twitter at dr dad says the number one at facebook at dr dad says and on instagram also at dr dad says until the next time just remember it's all your immunity <laughs>